2: Well, hello!
0: Thank you for dropping by once again. If you're here listening to our bonus content, you must be enjoying No Small Roles. You're following the narrative, probably working out the secrets quicker than we players are. The silly puns are making you giggle, and that music.
1: Perfectly in sync with the undertones of the scenes. But every now and then, you're reminded that you're listening to people play a game. Maybe the jargon has you confused. Or maybe, just maybe, we've lit a fire under you,
3: and you want to know how it's done. Either or, either way, stick around my friends, fill your tankards, put up your feet, and enjoy the No Small Rolls Beginner's Guide to Dungeons & Dragons. Roll the mini theme tune!
4: First Things First what is Dungeons and Dragons or D&D for short? Well, D&D is a tabletop role-playing game where players gather together, back when meeting your friends didn't risk your health, and create individual characters with various backgrounds and abilities who then team up to overcome obstacles and navigate the story created by the dungeon master or DM. The dungeon master is also a player, however their job is to be the game's lead storyteller and referee. They describe and narrate the world the characters inhabit, and the players describe to the DM how they react.
1: Simple, no? Now it's customization. Oh, no, wait, 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 hold up, my bad, I almost glossed over a major thing. Uh, we just said that DD is a role-playing game, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, I know we did. Look, when we say role-play, we don't mean that awkward bit of a job interview when you pretend to be excited over making us out.
5: Listen. In D&D, you're going to be playing the role of your character, seeing the world as them, and making their choices your own. Basically, it's acting. Though not for money or a job in retail, but for fun. You don't have to be on the same level as Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver. This is just your chance to assume a different perspective in a fantasy world. Enjoy it. You talking to me? No, I'm just explaining something to our listeners about D&D. Well, there's no one else here, so you must be talking to me. Okay, I'm getting a little bit nervous now. Uh, Grace?
0: Moving on to customization. Right before you start a campaign, which is a series of sessions which have an ongoing narrative, players create their characters by first choosing what manner of being they want to play. The creature you choose could be anything from a human to an elf, or something more fantastical like a centaur, or a goblin, or an arachokra, which is a sort of bird person, or a tabaxi, which is a cat person. Which I know a lot of people are cat people, but you know this is this is like a, a cat person person. Do you know what? The possibilities are endless, like, like genuinely endless. I mean, you could even decide to go with a character that's not in any official listing and work together with your DM to homebrew something that's fun, yet balanced.
3: You also choose what class your character is going to be. A character's class paints a very broad picture of an individual's abilities, their fighting style and tactics they'll utilise while exploring. When deciding on a class, try asking yourself what you can see yourself enjoying doing. Do you fancy the idea of wielding mystical powers to shape the world around you? Then maybe you're a wizard, Harry. Or can you picture yourself, sword in hand, screaming to your enemies after proving your strength? Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Then maybe pick a fighter. With apologies to Russell Crowe there. Anyway, choosing your class determines whether you're going to be flinging spells or swinging blades. With us so far?
4: Now, we're going to briefly cover the basics of the character sheet. All players should have this in front of them, as your character sheet is an essential reference tool and you'll be constantly checking and editing it. Players will be using it to track their inventory, their hit points, basically how much damage they can take, the spells they currently have available, and their ability scores. Ability scores are essential to understanding what your character is feasibly capable of. But it's probably best to briefly explain the dice rolls first, as ability scores
5: are intrinsically related. Whilst D&D is a game that's only limited by one's imagination, it still very much has mechanics that give it structure, just like any other game. And at the centre of these gameplay mechanics are dice rolls.
1: Everyone involved in play will have access to a set of seven polyhedral-sided dice. In shorthand, we refer to them as D, then whatever number of sides that die has. So, these are D20, D12, D10, D8, D6, D4, and a very hideous D100, or percentile die. Your D20 is the die you'll be running the most as your decision-making die. Every other die apart from the percentile die, or D20, is rolled to determine damage dealt and hit points gained or lost.
0: Let's look at the D20, the most frequently used die in the game. Rolling a D20 in D&D is akin to flipping a coin between you and your mate to decide who makes the next cup of tea. However, the two people involved in the coin toss are the player and the DM. You as the player may want to achieve a complicated feat, but it is the DM who decides how difficult this task is by assigning a number to the difficulty check, or DC for short. The higher the number, or the DC, the more difficult the task is considered to be. Players
3: are going to be asked to make these checks very often. It's part of what makes the game exciting, as sometimes the stakes and consequences are outrageously high. A <clears throat> episode 8 of No Small Rolls. <laughs> no spoilers. Now, it might sound crazily risky to leave everything to the roll of a die, but this is where we bring back ability, ability scores. scores. And also, skills.
5: Let's introduce the six ability characteristics strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. These are pretty straightforward. Strength determines how athletic you are, dexterity is how coordinated you can be. Constitution for sturdiness, intelligence for book smarts, wisdom for judgment or experience, and charisma for how your character's personality and aura affect other beings.
4: Now, ability scores are the numbers that define a character's aptitude of that ability. These are determined initially at the character creation stage, and may increase as characters level up throughout the adventures. A score of 10 or 11 is pretty normal for the average human, but player characters are heroic adventurers, so their scores will increase way beyond average. Each ability score also has a modifier derived from that score. Scores below 10 give you a negative modifier, whilst those above will give a nice little boost to your dice rolls. Modifiers are determined by a little mathematical formula. Bear with me, it'll make sense in the end. You can work out your ability modifier by subtracting 10 from the ability score, dividing that total by two, then rounding down. So, let's say Grace's character, Gwendolyn, has a dexterity score of 16. To calculate the modifier, you minus 10, which leaves you with 6, then divide that by 2, which leaves you with 3. This means that Gwendolyn has a dexterity modifier of plus 3 to add to any roll that uses her dexterity. Now that was a lot, I know. Mental maths in a game. But worry not, you can always rewind. And anyway, these modifiers will be written on your character sheet, beside the ability scores, so you don't have to work it out every time. Unless you want to go old school and fiddle with an abacus whenever you're trying to cast a spell.
1: Now, not purposefully trying to further confuse you, but there are 18 different skills that a character can be asked to make checks for. All skills are derived from one of the six abilities, Athletics from Strength survival from wisdom, acrobatics from dexterity, and so on. Here's an example that should hopefully make this explanation more streamlined. Let's say that Gwendolyn, for whatever reason, wants to backflip out of a tree, chuck a pear into her mouth midair, and land on her feet. Quite the feat, no? For this, the DM is, of course, going to ask her to roll an acrobatics check. Grace, who plays Gwendolyn, will roll a d20, Add her dexterity modifier, which is plus 3 in this instance. The DM has set the DC, privately or publicly, at 16. Grace rolls a 19 on the D20 and adds her dexterity modifier of plus 3 for a total of 22, easily passing the check, thus allowing Grace's character, Gwendolyn, to perform her feat easily.
3: Got it? Let's step it up a little with proficiency bonuses. Characters. a separate number called a proficiency bonus, which is added to certain skills your character may be especially good at, which could be determined by your character's background or backstory. A character's proficiency bonus increases as they level up and get stronger. Now, each skill represents a certain aspect of an ability, and any one person's proficiency highlights their speciality in that aspect. Now, stay with me, it's getting complicated, I know, but... Here's an example. Daryl's character, Enkidu, has been caught stealing a royal gem from the king's palace. The guards converge on him and sternly remind him that stealing from the palace is punishable by death. The stakes are high. He then tells the DM that he wants to try and bribe the guards to convince them to let it slide and, in return, be rewarded with some coin for their underfed families. The DM tells him to roll a persuasion check... Now this means Daryl needs to roll a d20 and add his Charisma modifier. Enkidu's backstory and previous life experience means that he has learnt the gift of the gab, so he has proficiency in persuasion rolls. So, in this instance, he's allowed to add this proficiency bonus number to his Charisma score, further increasing his chance of success. At this time in our campaign, our characters are... just starting out on their path to almightiness, so... A proficiency bonus is a fairly measly plus two.
5: For a persuasion check, Daryl rolls the d20, adds his charisma modifier, plus his proficiency bonus. If you see where I'm going with this, you should start to see the idea of creating a character who specializes in a certain set of skills. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. That's my best Liam
3: Neeson impression. (laughs) Got it? Okay, next. Let's look at saving throws. Now, saving throws are attempts to resist the effects of things like a trap or spell effects. Fireball, I'm looking at you with your 8d6 damage. Now, players don't initiate these saves. They're asked to make them because of something happening to their character. Making a saving throw requires you to roll your trusty d20. Add the appropriate ability score and sometimes proficiency bonus, remember those, if your character has the appropriate proficiency. Well, that's all there is to it. We're almost at the end, but the next section is going to add
4: another layer to the dice rolling mechanic, with advantage and disadvantage. Sometimes a spell, special ability, some BAFTA-winning roleplay, or creating an advantageous scenario will get the DM to ask you to roll with advantage on an attack, saving throw, or ability check. This means you get to roll your d20 twice and keep the higher number that it landed on. Adversely, rolling with disadvantage as a result of spells or abilities cast on you, terrible roleplay and decision-making, and other unfavourable situations, means that you roll twice and keep the lower number. Par exemple. You successfully sneak through the enemy's base and silently creep up behind a guard who fails to notice your presence. You decide to try grappling the guard into submission and tie them up. In this situation, the DM may give you advantage on the dice rolls, because you've maneuvered yourself into a favorable position. The reverse of this scenario could play as thus. The guard was aware of you the entire time, but only pretended not to notice. As soon as you enter their space, they throw sand in your eyes, temporarily blinding you. In this debilitated state, you decide to attempt to grapple the guard anyway. The DM in this situation would likely tell you to make the appropriate rolls with disadvantage. you see how that works?
5: Hey, you made it! We fully appreciate that listening to how dice rolls work was a lot of book knowledge, but at the very least it helped shed some light on the process of play. We didn't cover everything, of course, but with what we've covered here, you should now have enough knowledge to fully enjoy the narrative and flow of any D&D show. Ah, that word flow. I like to think that all D&D sessions have a natural flow to them. Essentially, players are always within one of three modes of play. Exploration, roleplay, interacting with other characters, like scenes And combat These are the three pillars of D&D Exploration, roleplay and combat Essential components that make up the structure of the game The scenarios we mentioned earlier with Gwendolyn and Enkidu Are examples of exploration and roleplay Combat is large enough a pillar to require an entire episode to be dedicated to it So we'll have to leave it there for now
1: There's a lot of learning to do when it comes to getting to play the game. And just as in life, there are always new things to discover and possibilities to explore. Don't sweat the small stuff or get hung up on the lack of knowledge in a certain area. Rely on your fellow players and ask questions. A lot of fun comes from learning together. Remember, D&D is a game and the whole point of a game is to have fun.
0: You have been listening to David Knight, Daryl Bailey, Chris Watts, Ben Galpin and Grace Kelly Miller. Scripted by Daryl Bailey with original music by David Knight. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe and follow us on all the social media. Anon for now.
2: Anon.